Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There's a passage the Lord has uh, put on my heart. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 24. I'm going to begin reading at verse 22. And I know, said unto David, Let my Lord the king take and offer what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxygen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Aronah as a king give unto the king. And Aronah said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aronah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. Amen. I want to preach this morning just for a while on the subject, costly worship. I know I'm running a risk factor when I tag this sermon with the title, Costly Worship. We hear people talk about high worship. You hear worship described sometimes as wonderful worship, as spirit-filled or anointed worship. But when we use the word costly with worship, for some people it might present a paradox or a contradiction. Some kind of unlikely combination or union of two words that seemingly shouldn't be together. This is the, the mindset that drives many people's perception of worship in the church. I read recently a story about a woman who attempted to purchase $1,500 worth of goods with what proved to be a bogus million-dollar bill. When questioned, By the authorities, her response was that she had been duped and she had been deceived. Her ex-husband, who was a coin collector, had given her 
this bill. Of course, the size of the bill raised a suspicion that anyone wouldn't really have known that it wasn't real. You know, somehow this story made me think about the state of worship in the contemporary church. I do believe that we are living in a time that what drives our worship all too often is what's in it for me. What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? And this consumer mindset has tragically transformed congregants into connoisseurs. Churchgoers shop around and hop around from one church to another looking for just the right experience that will satisfy them. Come to church on Sunday and, and in the heat in the heart of the worship celebration it seems that so many folk are content to stare rather than stand cost cutting bargain basement coupon bearing let's make a deal worshipers frequent churches Sunday after Sunday looking for worship that costs nothing but still pays dividends. Worship is costly. The real question today is not so much what you're going to get out of it. The real question should always be what are you willing to put into it? What are you willing to give up in order to go a little bit higher? Joel Gregory, great preacher and the former pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, says sacrifice, sacrifice have become marginal in contemporary Christian thinking. But this passage, this passage in David's life refutes the notion for he says to Aaron, he says, I'm not for God anything that doesn't cost me that doesn't require me to sacrifice David's worship was costly it wasn't convenient David's worship was sacrificial it wasn't superficial and when I saw it in the text I asked the text the question what does David's gesture here, what, what does his response here tell us about costly worship? When I asked the text that question, some things jumped out. First of all, there was a revelation that compelled his worship. There was something bigger than him that compelled his worship. See, great worship grows out of great vision. Great understanding, great awareness. See, what's happening, if you read the context, this is not a happy time in David's life. He and the nation are in distress primarily because of his own 
disobedience. He was led, tempted of Satan, and he succumbed to the temptation of numbering Israel, of conducting an unauthorized census. And when we see him at this point in the text, some 70,000 people have died because of a plague. And David looks up, according to the Chronicles version of this passage, he looks up and he sees the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with a sword drawn stretching out against Jerusalem. And the Bible says, when David and the elders of Israel saw this, they fell face down and worshiped God. A great vision, a great need inspires worship. When something's going on in your life and you've come to the end of your devices and you have nowhere else to go, it'll, it'll cause you to worship, uh, to, to stretch out to God. So many examples of that in the word of God. Jacob facing the twin threats of a vengeful brother coming at him and a, a grieved father-in-law coming behind him sent his wives, his children ahead and at a place called Jabbok all night long. All night long he wrestled with an angel and he said to the angel of the Lord, he said, I'm not going to let you go. What I struggle with sometimes is that when we come together, it seems like there's no sense of urgency. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. On the Isle of Patmos, John was locked in, but he wasn't locked out. Locked down, but he wasn't locked out. And I love it in Revelation 1 where it says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And the Bible says he heard a voice behind him, and the voice said, I'm Alpha, and I'm Omega. I'm the one that was dead and now lives. There has to be a revelation, a vision. David saw in a distressful situation an angel Lord with hands outstretched, but it inspired his worship. Horatio Bonar, the great hymn writer, he had it right. You've Heard this hymn saying, but he had the order right. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come on to me and rest. First the voice, then listen to what he said. I found in him a resting place. And he has made me glad. What is there in your life that inspires your worship? Well, what is it in your life? What revelation, what, what is it God has given you that inspires your worship, that blesses you? Just the thought of it. So there is a revelation that compelled his worship, but there's a recognition that commended his worship. In verse 17, David confesses to God that he's a sinner. David's worship was so costly, but it wasn't fueled by some misguided delight. It was fueled by his own personal distress. It wasn't fueled by self-satisfaction. It was fueled by his acute awareness of his sin. When you understand how much God has blessed you, 
when you understand that in the context and the recognition that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, your worship will go to another level. If gratitude was radioactive, how many of us would be toxic this morning? If it was radioactive and, and we had something called a, a gratitude meter and somebody came close to you and they stuck it out, would they hear? Or would they hear? If it was toxic, would there be enough in you that when the index measured, you'd be off the chart? My gratitude index is. <laughs> Revelation that compelled his worship, the recognition that commended his worship, but there's also the refusal that complimented his worship. David was directed by the prophet Gad to go to this place and talk to Arana. And when this man saw the king coming, he hid his four sons. And, and then he went out to meet him. And he said, listen, as David made his appeal and he began the negotiation, he said, everything you want, the oxen, the land, the threshing floor, the materials, everything you need to make an altar, I'll give it to you. And the king said, and this is the message, paraphrase of it, I am not going to offer God, my God, sacrifices that have no sacrifice. Sacrifices that have no sacrifice. How much has your worship cost you today? You know, we're always, it seems, looking for the easy path. Something about our culture, we've got to be careful of that as Christians. Just think about what would happen if we really sacrificed during the week to get ready to come here so that our worship would truly be an offering to God. Not something that we expect God give us something for, but something we offer to him. Mother was cooking pancakes for her two little boys. One was five and one was three. She was cooking the pancakes and the boys were arguing about who gets the first pancake. Mother, who was a Christian mother, she saw the, the benefit of this conflict and she weighed in and she thought, I can teach them a Christian principle. She said to the boys, she said, if Jesus was here, he would say to his brother, let him have the first pancake. The boys were five years old and three. And the five-year-old looked at the three-year-old and said, listen, you play Jesus today. <laughs> it's not about you. It's not about me. How much? How much did it cost you? So I'm not going to offer God that which doesn't cost me anything. Finally, there's the rewards that confirmed his worship. It's, it's in the text. It's, and the plague stayed. 
the last verse of the last chapter of this book says that when David offered worship to God, worship that cost him something, here's the good news. The plague stayed. The plague stayed. God, God stopped what was going on. It just may be that everything else you've tried, you need to perhaps say to God, you know what? I'm going to give you my worship. I'm not going to worry about what happens here. I'm just going to worship you, Lord. Here, the plague stayed. Now, a few centuries earlier, at this place, at the field, the threshing floor of Aroma, at this place, according to Genesis 22, God tested Abraham to see how costly his worship would be. And he said, now, I want you to go up to Mount Moriah. Because the threshing floor of Aroma is on Mount Moriah. Centuries earlier, he said, go up to Mount Moriah. And this boy who you waited so long for, the child of your old age that I gave you, and to Sarah, I want you to go up and offer him on Mount Moriah. You see, we really haven't worshipped until we're willing to give up Isaac. I can't tell you what your Isaac is, but I know what Isaacs have been in my life. And God won't be satisfied with some substitute, subsidiary offering. He wants you to trust him with your very best. You know the story of how he went to Mount Moriah, took his son who did not at that point know what was going on. Perhaps a lad in his late teenage or early young adult years. And when they got there, he built an altar, tied his boy up, Somebody here today, if you want to truly worship, it might be time to get the rope out of the closet and tie Isaac up. Maybe time to wrap him up and say, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. Maybe some problem that's distracting you. It may be some relationship that's crippling you. It may be some challenge that's holding you. Maybe some memory that's gripping you. But you got to tie Isaac up. He tied him up, took the knife, and began to make the death flow. But when God knew what he'd give up, God said, hold up. I got a lamb caught in the bush. I want you to go over there and get that lamb. I just wanted to see if you love me enough to give up on this earth what you love the most here. He said, I want you to know because you did this, I'm going to take care of the rest because I'm Jehovah Jireh. I do have a witness, which is the Lord will and the Lord can provide. But lest I keep you too long, we went 
in reverse. Uh, but now, let's fast forward. Let's go down uh, the corridors of history to a place called Gagava. Would you not know uh, that still Mount Moriah, because this same place uh, that Jerusalem was built on, uh, that was the place uh, that the Lord put a cross uh, upon his shoulder. And if you want to know uh, what costly worship is, uh, just look at Jesus. Uh, he died. Uh, yes, he did. Uh, and he didn't die for himself. Uh, he died for you. Uh, he died for me. Uh, we're not here to live for ourselves, to have our own agendas, to do our own thing. We didn't get here this way because there's some folk uh, in the life of this church uh, who died for us, uh, who worked for us, who worshiped for us, who prayed for us. They didn't know us. They couldn't see us, but they labored. Uh, they sacrificed so we could get to this place, uh, so we could step out on faith and do some costly worship and not be satisfied with just getting along, uh, not be satisfied with just coming here on Sunday and having our little experience, not just be satisfied with getting by, but they sacrifice. Uh, do I have a witness? Let me just bring it home. Mama sacrificed. Daddy sacrificed. Granddaddy sacrificed. There's somebody here. You are blessed today not because of what you've done, but because somebody else prayed for you. Somebody else cried for you. Somebody else bent down for you. Somebody else took insults for you. Somebody else dealt with prejudice for you. God wants to bless us. God wants to move us. But we got to be willing to sacrifice. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. For more information about us and to obtain resources provided by TD Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.